Welcome to Ringer Dish. I'm Juliette Littman. It's kind of a holiday of sorts if you care about pop culture and pop music. It's the Taylor Swift renaissance? It's something. We're going to figure it out. I am joined by Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Juliette. And Andrew Godadaro. Hey. We have assembled. I like to think of us as a pop music troika. I think we all have different interests. That's great. Taylor Swift (laughs) is a place where we can um, really come together dig into it there's so much here i will just it's full disclosure amanda and i were texting vigorously about this the last few days <laughs> i've Andrew, been on no, i've been on no an emotional journey yeah i'm excited to get into it taylor swift also on an emotional journey <laughs> um so let's just jump into it uh lover is now the top selling album of 2019 wow I saw via Taylor Swift's Instagram that the viral 50 chart on Spotify was like the top 15 songs were like all Taylor Swift songs. Like she is here. She did CBS Sunday Morning. She did Good Morning America. She's just flooding the block wherever. And and also like, you know, on the street, like with her murals and stuff, like when she first had her first song come out. Opening the VMAs tonight. Opening the VMAs tonight. There's just so much going on. I'll be watching the VMAs to see if Tyler is there. Gigi, sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amanda, what is your tweet length review of Lover? It doesn't have to, I'm not going to wow. hold you 280 characters. Okay, just, thank you. Because this, this is going to be less of a tweet and more <laughs> than like, it's like the, it's either a thread or the really long emotional Instagram post that someone Thre- puts a, up unedited at like it's a thread. <laughs> 7 a.m., you know, like 3 a.m. This album, here, I actually have a tweet length review. This album is good, but not special. And I think Mm. that this is a very listenable, well-produced, often well-written in terms of the the music and the sound album. I think it is better, and I enjoy it more than most pop music that is currently out. And I think that this is missing the, for the most part, missing the Taylor Swift, like, special touch. The thing that has made Taylor Swift such an exceptional and interesting musician for so many years. It is... Emotionally closed off, which we're going to talk a lot about, with with a couple exceptions, but it is not specific. It is not unique. It is someone who has been through a lot and is now kind of doing the generic, basically, network TV versions of her songs and skills. And, I, you know, I've listened to it several times and I enjoy listening to it. I do not think it's her greatest album and I do not think that it is the level that I expect from Taylor Swift. Okay. There's a lot there. There we go. Before you answer, (laughs) let's hit on a couple things Amanda just said. I think the network TV note is a really interesting. It's kind of like, it's not like a sellout kind of situation, but it's sort of like when your favorite cult or like internet sensation goes mainstream, you you just lose something. It's sort of like Chance the Rapper putting out a a record and it being bad and long, sort of like he lost something to his soft as a result, (laughs) I think. In terms of his persona, music aside. And I think there's something to that with Taylor Swift as well. Andrew, what do you think is is sort of that change? Like, there is some kind of evolution, good or bad, that has gone on here. You know, I think Amanda couched it well as, like, kind of going to network TV. But, like, for you, what was, like, the primary change that you uh, found? Well, I think, like, this, and it's less pointed here, but with reputation, reputation felt with all the, like, ESPN College Game Day tie-ins and the UPS trucks that had Taylor Swift's face on them. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like Taylor Swift had peaked as like a purely commercial entity mm-hmm. and she was fueling herself 
that way on purpose. The UPS thing very specifically <laughs> felt like a 30 Rock joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I've never seen 30 Rock. But just as, <laughs> no, it's seen if they would it, make that joke. It's exactly right. This is, it's still some of that. Like, I, I think she's still commodifying herself to the ultimate degree. And there's still a bunch of brand tie-ins that are still happening. She debuted me during the NFL draft, which is just like... Sure, why not? It's just like, why not? Okay. And then the first performance was at the Billboard Music Awards and had controversy around it. Yeah, right. For, so she, for using the marching band, a la Beyonce. And Amanda's definitely right that there's a lack of specificity that her greatest work has had. I think... Um, the exceptions on the album, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about the song that she wrote about her her mom's battle with cancer, is that stands out because the rest is something that you can kind of just like paint with a broad brush. I think that one, we definitely will talk about that more. I think that one and the first song, I Forgot That You Existed, mm-hmm. are like have the most personality in them yes. for that reason. My two favorite songs. Are so specific. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what is your tweet length review? My tweet length review. Or Instagram caption length review, whatever. Yeah. I sort of already hit on this, but my tweet length review is that this is better than reputation, and that's really all that I think it needed to be. I I think that's a good good point. It's so much better than reputation. Yeah. I agree with that. That was just such a low point in both her persona and also her music, and I think this is a bit of a rebound. Can I ask? Maybe just because the bar was low, but. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. yeah. How many times have you listened to Reputation? I went back and listened to it last week a couple of times, but I think I only listened to it in fall, including those recent listens, five times. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably around that number as well. I've heard certain songs way more than that. I think go- I think Gorgeous is really good. That's there's a, so, that's there's a, great a song. few good songs on that album. Oh, also, I love New Year's Day. It's a good one. And New Year's Day could have been on Lover. Yeah. I also think there's a few songs on Lover that could have been on Reputation. Sure. That's um, true. And also 1989. I feel like we should talk about the homage or the Xeroxing, if you will, of certain <laughs> parts of her career and other people's careers on this album. I just want to oh, say, sure. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I've listened to Reputation exactly once. Like, exactly <laughs> once the I'm night that it came you. out. And I never went back to it. And, th- you know, I'm not trying to make some point about it, but I think— that seems to me to be the case for a lot of people. It's not an album musically that has stayed with anyone. Um, and I, I think Lover Will, I think already people are listening to it more and talking about mm-hmm. it. And it's just something that you actually do want to seek out, which, to Andrew's point, is definitely an improvement. Just from a music standpoint, it's just easier to re-listen. Like, yeah, it's Reputation kind of hurts to listen to sometimes. It's way more fun. Yeah. Like, like, this album is, Reputation is a bummer because it's just like Taylor Swift it's an aggrieved Taylor Swift. It's not like a vengeful one. Mm-hmm. It's not like a um, I'm here to cut you down. It's just some someone who seemed really aggrieved and like in the middle of a sea change and didn't know how to interpret it. That's That was my read of it, basically. I agree with that. It's also reputation is she's aggrieved at like the whole world because, yeah. Yeah. you know, and she's talking about her self-image and like business issues and things of like the media, which frankly are do not make for great songwriting, as we will talk about with respect <laughs> to Lover. But to the extent that Lover is about being in love, falling in love, relationships, that has always been Taylor Swift's bread and butter. And it does make for 
for better songwriting, at least from her, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. And I, and I think, Amanda, another key part of sort of like the network TV, Taylor goes network TV feeling of this is I don't know how you guys are listening, but I was listening on Spotify and she recorded like basically high-end gifts to play. You know how Spotify yeah, has like music, saw, music yeah. videos in the background sometimes for some songs. She basically recorded high-end gifts for most of the songs. And then for some of them, she kind of does, she uses like their genius integration to explain like a little bit about the song, what she was thinking, what like the songwriting process was like. It's very, it's very surface. It's very morning show-esque, <laughs> but it's like a mode of communication that is easy, can't really, like, doesn't allow for conversation or kind of response and allows her to really dictate the narrative around this album in a very specific way that maybe, you you know, I think her diehard fans will use as clues and then skeptical fans will disregard as, like, kind of corporatized bullshit. But it does seem like she kind of took a step back from, like, the dystopian UPS vision, (laughs) but leaned into kind of the um, very salesy, uh, marketing tools available to her. And that is hard to overlook. She was also playing, sort of like trying to play the villain on reputation. And yes. here she's not really. Now she's just back so to much. being yeah. Taylor. I will just say we'll move on, but my tweet length review is this album is very good. It should only be 10 tracks. Yes. That's true for all albums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it's really can true. We just stop and, doing 18 track albums. Wait, it's at really the, true. At the end, can we just go through and each cut six six yeah. songs? Yeah. Sure. Oh. Okay, yeah, we'll do absolutely. that at the end. Great. I'm so excited. Okay, because I agree. Okay, next. What is your favorite song on the album? Andrew, you first. You can name two, because okay. we know Amanda has two, so everyone gets two. <laughs> All right. Uh, my favorite, like the song that I'm definitely going to listen to the most, like I already put it on my 2019 playlist. Oh, wow. False God. Then if it's a false God, we'd still worship we might. Yeah, it's just it's it's my lane. It sounds a little bit like Carly Rae Jepsen made a song with Blood Orange a while ago called All of That. And it sounds like that. And I'm just a big Blood Orange guy. So this song musically is is kind of down the middle for me. Which one is that? Literally, I'm just sitting here. I have my computer (laughs) open and I'm looking. I don't remember. Amanda, you don't remember False God because it's right after the Dixie Chick song. There's some saxophone in it, Amanda. And so you're still emotionally recovering when False God comes on. I do really like saxophone. It's um, just, so, it's like groovy. It's oh, this cool is the, sounding. This is the West Village one. This is for NYU yeah, Andrew. Yeah, West right? Village. You okay. still do it for me. All right. Which I don't know. I could go either way on that lyric. But that one is my, like the song I'm going to re-listen to the most. I would say my favorite pop song on this album is probably Paper Rings. I love Paper just Rings. a good song, like just a very re-listenable song. It's her voice it's, in my Paper Rings, yeah. notably sounds a lot more like Red and Fearless mm-hmm. than um, 1989 and Lover, in my opinion. It's uh, it's just so catchy, and like people are gonna be dancing to that song for the rest of the year. I think one thing this album really makes evident, and we can dig into this more as we go through songs, is. The production on Taylor Swift's vocals makes a huge difference in how you in- he- interpret the song and sort of how it is situated within her opera. Because I I think her, the vocals on Paper Rings are really different than, say, 
I think he knows or false God or soon you'll be, be you'll get better. And like, that's a, that's interesting to me. I can't think of a pop singer who I think their vocal production changes that much. <laughs> it's a great point. Know. And it's also, she really is stripped down more on this album, certainly than Reputation and 1989, yeah. mm-hmm. which were, you know, full of the, the Antonoff, you know, processed vocals. And you kind of hear her modulating a bit, which is interesting that she has historically not, I wouldn't say Taylor Swift is like the greatest singer of our generation, just like from a pure voice standpoint, yeah. which is, that's not controversial to say, is it? I mean, Adele exists. No, no, no right. You're fine. Um, but it on I, this Adele, Kelly Clarkson. I right. mean, you could, there's, that's a, true. there's a few. Miley Cyrus. We could keep going. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it it does seem like she's figured out how to use her voice as an instrument on this album, and uh, yes. to Juliet's point, also use the production to complement it. Yeah, and that's cool. I bet she took voice lessons. And you want to know what? Almost every pop star should. Most of them do. Agree. And that's dope. Drake famously took them, and it really helps. So, and Justin <laughs> Bieber, you know? It helps, people. You just, there's, there's God-given talent to be an entertainer does not mean you've got the God-given talent to be a singer. And it's okay to recognize that. I will do my two songs, and then we'll spend some time on So You'll Get Better. My two favorite songs. This is tough, because I've got about five, but... I think I just will love I Forgot That You Existed for a long time. Yes! It's a good song. <laughs> I, it was really good. And my other one is Paper Rings, but I just want to say honorable mention to I Think He Knows and Cornelia Street. Uh, wait. Shout out the are West we doing, Village. Are we doing, is this the positive section and then we'll do the negative section later? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can we talk about I Forgot You Existed for a while? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and then we'll so, talk about the Dixie Jokes because that, that's one of my two favorites as well. So I forgot that you existed. Rumored to be about Calvin Harris. I forgot that you existed. And I thought that it would kill me, but it didn't. And it was so But I would say of all the songs where it's like rumored to be about John Mayer, rumored to be about Kanye, rumored to be about Robert Lefside, it's like this is the one where it ultimately does not matter. Yeah. Like, but can I can I give you my theory? Sure. This is about Carly Kloss. Oh, this is about We're already Carly there. Kloss. Okay, We're already here. This is. And I, I love it. I don't mean in a romantic way. I just mean in terms of friendship. There's that line about the free rent in my mind, which made me think of the yes. anecdote of Carly Kloss having a room in Taylor Swift's house, and then they had a fallout because. She invited people over, yes. as discussed on Jay's right. session and last now, week. And now it's peaceful and quiet because Carly Kloss is no longer in her damn house inviting people over. I mean, I don't actually think it's literally about Carly Kloss, but I... Uh, that line might be. It's probably an amalgam of her enemies, That's right? the thing. Like, Taylor Swift needs to say this to a lot of people, yes. I yeah. think. But <laughs> we all do, Andrew. <laughs> yes, we do. But here's the only person, and this really... This was the part of the discourse that made me tear my hair out this weekend. This song is not about Kanye West. This song is not about Kanye West and people who are... Did people say that it was? Yes. It became like the instant narrative. And I think it's really telling of like the level of conversation that people are having around Taylor Swift at this point. It's so unimaginative and reductive. And it's also like, you're not listening if you think that. Why do you think she's so pissed at Scooter Braun? Exactly. Like, like, that's just like dumb. And it doesn't make, that doesn't track. I completely agree. It's not the emotion that she feels. She keeps bringing him up. You're just also, it's like people are not paying attention. People are not using their brains and engaging critically. It's just not about Kanye. And I do think that that's true with a lot of the conversation around Taylor Swift, even though I think also 
this album isn't as great as everyone else says it is. It's not about Kanye. This song is better than that. That's all I have to say. I actually, two notes on that. One, at no point did I think that she was actually referencing in a lyric anyone in this Guter Braun extended universe, actually. I, I don't think she gave them the courtesy of even being included in this album. I would think, I think you're right. I haven't, I haven't seen one even by people who have been like, this is clearly a Scooter Include Scooter, Kanye. Like, I mean, I guess you could say Carly Kloss could be in that, in that universe. But in terms of like how she's mad about a lot of this business stuff and sort of, I mean, I suppose you could read them, read that into the man, but I, I agree Mm -hmm. with you, Amanda. Like this song is definitely not about Kanye West. I think the Carly Kloss one is a good call. If you know, just that one lyric, I think it's probably like, Taylor Swift is, sh- is like, she's shaking the haters off and this yeah. is her song yes. to do so. <laughs> yeah. And it's so brilliant because compared to Reputation, as we were just discussing, she's kind of negative and playing the villain on that record. She comes out with the first song on this one, really kind of like cheery and just yeah. sort of like, I'm moving on. Just indifference, yeah, which she, she literally well, says a few times. It's, it's cheery, but it's petty. This song yeah. is yeah. still a little petty. It's and delightfully I, petty. I, we're going to talk about how honest... Taylor Swift is being on this album a lot. And petty <laughs> is an honest emotion from Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. She has done this throughout her career. Mean is also extremely petty. There are, you know, all of the Kiss Off songs. Dear John, in its way, emotional but also petty. And I, I think that you can feel when she is opening and channeling something real about how she feels. And you can tell when she's doing kind of like a short story recreation of an emotion that maybe someone else feels. And this is honest. And Mm -hmm. this is from her. It's first person. And it just makes all the difference. This this song just pops. That's why Soon You'll Get Better is also so moving. First of all. Holy shit. The Dixie Chicks. I mean. Soon you'll get better. Add the Dixie Chicks to every song, and it just gets like by a minimum 35% better. But Amanda, why don't you talk about why this was so moving for you, as I think many people agreed? Well, you know, I think Taylor Swift, historically, her real skill is writing these, especially when she was a teenager, these like preternaturally like honest and insightful and vulnerable songs. And she could put her finger on something that a lot of people feel, but express it from herself very singularly and specifically and you and it just they come alive and this is obviously the most heartbreaking version of that and I it's it is about her mother experience I believe like a cancer recurrence and I I'm sure she would she would rather not be able to write this song and I think we would all wish that for her but it is just really you can see her in the waiting room you you understand all of the feelings it's like she is talking to you and it's it's devastating and and a a wonderful song i i i'm really blown away by it and this is also in a lot of ways this song being on this album and it being so good and so moving kind of diminishes other parts of the album for me because i'm like see this is what you're capable of and it again I feel terrible saying that because you're capable of it in like the worst circumstances um and again I think probably she would be happier if she just wrote like the 10 song like Joe Alwyn yay I'm happy album but I I just I think it's just a real accomplishment 
the specificity of the yes. song is like oh it's so bracing um just like you like the nicer nurses like lines like that it's just like oh my god this is so raw and like you feel that you are getting a window into Taylor Swift that she doesn't allow very often. Yeah. There's there's also a self-consciousness to this song, which she doesn't often um, allow into her music. In The Bridge, and she says, and I hate to make this all about me, but who but am who I am, supposed oh, to talk to? Jesus, mm-hmm. I just got really that was, upset as soon as he yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really beautiful, and I think that anyone who's gone through their own health crisis or you know supported a, a family member or a loved one or a close friend through it can really relate to that. Like it's something where this is so central to your life. And like, even if it's happening to your mom or your friend, like it's still happening to you, even if you're not experiencing the illness. And I think this is like a, actually an experience of being um, like a caretaker that is not really voiced that often. And it shows a lot, it shows a self-awareness that, that Taylor doesn't usually um, allow into her music. And I think it's really beautiful and kind of paints her in a different light. Right. It's it's also self-awareness that lends itself to like honesty and emotion as opposed to self-awareness in terms of she's always she's always writing about herself in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but not in a way that is vulnerable. And this is maybe one of the most vulnerable songs that she's written. And you can tell. You can honestly feel it. it at some point I just put like I hate saying that ineffable effable quality of something this really works, but this is it. And and again, yeah. what we were talking about with her voice, how it's used on this album, you can hear it breaking on this song, which is uh, really tough. I mean, wonderful, but tough. I think you also can tell that this is a song that she will perform live and as we shall perform all these live. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that the, the production for the song live will not be that different from how it is on the album. Yeah. And I think for her as a, you know, when she does like her stripped down guitar piano performances are usually pretty moving mm-hmm. and this one is set up to be like a signature song and that's pretty that's pretty cool I think there was like uh, before we had heard me there was a whole lot of is Taylor going to make her country album again right and I think this is this song is kind of what people had in mind as like the perfect case yes and I think that's a good connection back to Paper Rings which I wanted to talk about <laughs> for a second because it's a whole other category from all the songs we talked about. Paper Rings is super fun. Paper Rings is the most country tailor to me of this whole album because it's sort of like lighthearted. You can imagine her like, you know, just with her guitar doing a different version than this actual production. And I think it's the, it's like she said she wanted to do a throwback song and like the weird Spotify like narrative that she put out there. <laughs> but it, to me, it's a throwback to a different tailor. And I really like that. Uh, it reminds me of Fearless. And I also think it will have the longest life on TikTok, which is essential. <laughs> so here's my thing. Uh, so I agree with you that in the actual writing of like the, the lyrics and the melody, it is a fearless era, happy Taylor Swift. Here are my two issues, which I think Paper Rings is very good and very catchy and it like stands out. And I think basically I don't like, you know, like pop punk. So that's... Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my resistance to it because the production is very different from Fearless. It yeah. really leans into I was listening into the car with my husband yesterday and he loves this song because like once upon a time he was like a punk emo kid. And I was like, Oh, oh I see. <laughs> this is this is your lane and it's not mine. But the other thing is, Taylor Swift is not 16 or 15 anymore. Uh she is almost 30. She'll be 30. In December. Happy birthday, Taylor Swift. I'm looking forward to it. Welcome. (laughs) Right. But, like, 
has there ever been a great pop song written about being 30 and just like being happy that in your relationship? I mean, what is the tension here? And what is and is this like it just feels a little immature. Sure. That's but that's, that's that my might, thing. it does. But Amanda, that might be authentic. <laughs> right. I guess so. But Although I think like, But that does get back to your note of like you want more from her, but yeah. she might not be there. What I do like about False God is it does feel like it's Taylor Swift being a bit more of an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and Taylor like, Swift trying like to write about mature. sex is a whole other situation. <laughs> and that started on Reputation. And I think this is like slightly better. It's like she, Reputation is the album of you're like really finally in a relationship and having some sex. And then, and then Lover is like, well, we're in a nice committed relationship and things are going well. And, and also we have sex sometimes, but that's just my take. <laughs> All right, we'll go negative because that's always fun too. (laughs) But first, let's talk about today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Luminary, a new podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited about Luminary because it's the only place you can listen to the newest show on the Ringer Network, Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 1999. This is absolutely a podcast you can't miss. In 1999, a music festival took place in upstate New York that became a social experiment. There were riots, looting, and numerous assaults, and it was set to a soundtrack of the era's most aggressive rock bands. Incredibly, it was the third iteration of Woodstock, a festival known for peace, love, and hippie idealism. But Woodstock 99 revealed some hard truths behind the myths of the 1960s and the danger that nostalgia can engender. Along with Woodstock 99, Luminary gives you access to a bunch of other original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else, like our spinoff through Watchables 1999. The Luminary app is free to download, and in addition to the can't-miss originals, you can use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including this one. Whether you're into music, TV and film, comedy, sports, or more, Luminary has the right show for you. Check out Woodstock 99 and so much more only on Luminary. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link dish. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. That's luminary.link dish for two months of free access. Luminary.link slash dish. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. All righty. We talked about our favorite songs. Let's get into our least favorite songs. Amanda, would you like to go first? <laughs> I mean, I have like eight. <laughs> it's your least favorite. There can only be one or oh. two. Well, I mean, can we just put like, can we put me off bounds? Like me is a terrible song. Yeah. What's happening? Me is out. And I think yeah. You Need to Calm Down is also out. They're okay. just also both anomalous yes. to the album. And I think that as as someone, a.k.a. Sam Donsky, <laughs> noted on Twitter, they're relegated to the back half of this 18 tracks mm-hmm. record. Right. So that seems to me like feeling out a new record label and having to make some compromises. I'm going to go with the most representative least favorite song, which mm-hmm. is The, the Man. I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. I do not feel that this is a successful song in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Taylor Swift, like the rest of us, has been listening to a lot of Haim. And <laughs> I, I mean, I know she's also was friends with them for a while. I'm not really sure on the status of that relationship once the 4th of July parties got canceled. They also did a, a foursome trip to Hawaii, if you recall. Oh, right. Well, I do love Hawaii. <laughs> I I don't know where that stands, but I don't think there was a big falling out. I just think they're, like, not friendly. Okay. They're not as friendly. I think Taylor's also, like, probably closed closed the circle a little bit. 
Right. So, great. She's ripping off Haim, whatever. That's fine. I, I will say, though, I... Is she ripping off a specific song by Haim? No, I, it's I, just a mood, because here's the thing. Yeah. I went back and listened to that Haim album recently while I was on vacation, and it, it does not really hold up song to song. It's just like, okay, this is a vibe, and then after three songs, you're like, this is still going. Um, I really, really did not like Summer Girls, but mostly because, mostly because I hated the video. Yes. But I turned general, it off halfway through. I we're still on the don't same know how page it ends. Oh, can't yeah. watch them. <laughs> not good. And you know, and but the thing that sucks though is it's like a really sad and moving song, the story behind that song, which is um Danielle Heim was like would like sing it on the song on the phone to Ariel Rexted when uh he was going through chemotherapy, I believe. So it's like a sad story and I like wish everyone well, but that song sucks. Carry on. It's just boring. I didn't finish it. So that's the musical element of it. And then, you know, in terms of taking on the patriarchy in your song, I I talked a little bit with Reputation about how I feel like Taylor Swift taking on institutions in her music has not been successful for her. I just also Mm -hmm. think this is the most reductive, childish version of what is a very real experience and that Taylor Swift has certainly uh, been— had difficulties because she is a woman. I don't mean to diminish that at all, but I just like, this is like a fourth grader read a book about sexism and then listened to the Heim album and wrote a song. I'm absolutely not here for it. I found it, I find it cloying and immature. Um, And I also thought of all the celebrities to reference who are subject to to like a double standard, did you have to go after Leonardo DiCaprio? (laughs) Like, come on. There's so many other ones that I think are so much worse. Leo, to me, is ultimately harmless. It's not like he's cheating on anyone, never he got also, married. Like, he also, like, is kind of a good person. Like, I don't know. I, Why? I Protect just, Leo. I'm just also like, is that her main issue? That people have, yeah. like, made fun of her for dating other people? Like, that's the thing that she's angriest about? Because, number yeah. one, she has played into that her entire career. I was literally a blogger at Vulture when Red came out, and I remember reading the liner notes for the very specific clues about Jake Gyllenhaal. So, to pretend like you're not a part of that and haven't courted that in order to sell records is just disingenuous. But also, th- really, that's going to be our complaint. <sighs> yeah, she she also, I think in this song, I'm looking for the lyric, but she complains that people wouldn't care what she looked like if she were a man. And that's absolutely false, as Amanda and I often discuss what men look like <laughs> on Jam Session. And, like, Leonardo DiCaprio's appearance is also very often discussed. So it's just, you know, she she tried to take a stand, and I think this is the song that really fuels Taylor's haters. Like, I'm just thinking about what some of my coworkers who I know hate Taylor Swift would say about this. It, uh, I think a big problem with it, too, is that a lot of the biggest criticisms lobbed at Taylor um, about, like, her her excessive narrative shaping and stuff like that, and when she's gotten into trouble with Kanye, um, I'm sure it's been exacerbated by the fact that she's a woman, but it's also, like she hasn't been a victim, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, like, this just reads as kind of a, a reductive read on the whole situation. <laughs> this song is bad. Should should have been left on the cutting room floor. Andrew, your least favorite song. Uh, Can we talk about the, the London song? Absolutely. <laughs> Lo- London Boy. London Boy. Uh, I'm out on London Boy.
might be objectively the worst song on the album. We, <laughs> oh, Amanda, Juliet and, Julia and I were talking this morning about how this is like your friend goes to study abroad and comes back and is yeah. just like yes. naming things from London. Yes. <laughs> it's really rough. It reminded me of Welcome to New York on 1989. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I am from New York, but not from London, I found this less offensive. But if I were <laughs> from London, I would just be like, girl, shut up. Yeah. Stop talking about Camden. You've been there. You once. know what? Yeah. She likes to travel. She's experiencing new things. I think somehow her immaturity bothers me less when it's about like major metropolitan cities as opposed <laughs> to the patriarchy. Just me. I have two things to say about this. Number one, just sounds like a Lily Allen ripoff. I too miss Lily Allen. What's up with Lily Allen? <laughs> that album was really great like a decade ago. Number two, as I said, I, I was, think I recently read she got cut by her record label. To be yeah, honest, that's really tough. sad. I mean, I, you know, it's tough times for everyone. Lily Allen, I I miss you, and I hope that things work out. Number two, as I mentioned, I was listening to this with my husband yesterday, and he was just like, he, he, as he said, if I were Joe Allen, Joe Allen, I would have to walk into the wilderness, and <laughs> yeah. and if I were Joe Allen's friend, I would make this song my ringtone for when Joe uh. called. I would be on the golf course, like playing it at him <laughs> on a Bluetooth speaker whenever he's like trying to hit a shot. It's just like Joe Allen may never overcome this, which I could see. I really, honestly think that when Joe Allen's career is a wrap, this will be in the first sentence of his biography because I don't think as an actor he's ever going to transcend this infamy. Is that a gift of love? I don't know. (laughs) I think you're 100% right on all the Joel reads. All right. At this point, I can't imagine what it's like to date Taylor Swift. I just just can't. And I think... Who knows? I, I, it has to be a real yin and yang situation is my guess. Well, so but I, I, I just don't know. Spe- with reference to this song, how is she in London this much? I mean, was she just Googling yeah. things on Wikipedia? Because if she were in <laughs> London doing all of these things, we would have documentation of that. Am I am I wrong? There was a lot of Taylor Swift in London in the last couple of years. And um, I don't know where Cats filmed, but I think did part of that film in London. That sounds right. Yes. That sounds right. Yeah. So I think that was part of it. And she was apparently looking to buy there, both her and Rihanna. So, but uh, you can't can't put anything into that. Taylor Swift is a noted real estate flipper. Right. But shout, like, shout out to her. Sketch out the watching rugby in a pub with his friends yeah, situation. Right. Like, how is that working? I honestly was thinking about the mechanics of this. So is Joe Alwyn sending texts to everyone ahead of time being like, I'd like to bring Taylor, but first I need to run a background check on you. Like, <sighs> how many security cards are there is the rest of the pub closed down? Is there a back entrance? Probably. It has to be, or Probably. else we would have seen a picture. Yeah. Okay. You know? Although right. I do th- I do think that in London, in LA, and New York, LA, the least of the three, because there's always the getting out of the car, it's a little bit easier to figure out ways to maneuver without being photographed. A little bit easier. But in a public pub. Sure. Someone is going to tweet. In a public house, one might say. <laughs> yeah. Someone is tweeting... Uh, Taylor it's, Swift is here it's watching. True. It's true. It's true. I just, I mean, it's my main summer interest. I discussed this on Bachelor Party last week. I like wake up and I like check paparazzi pictures to like see what Tyler and Gigi are up to. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were a Taylor yeah. Swift person, I would do that too, but she's obviously much better at controlling it. But yes, just, you're right. But also, I just think she's also much fa- more famous. Like, she can't go anywhere in public without someone noting it, I would say. So, I know. I mean, she famously had to sneak out of her apartment in luggage. Right. So, this is, I, th- I think this if is you fictional. That. That's tough. Anyway, it, it definitely is um, a very 
unimaginative way of portraying a extremely storied and old and magical, wonderful city. So <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> it's really bad. Wait, I is that Joe? Yeah. Is that voicemail at the beginning? Him? No, no, it's Idris I Elba. It's Idris Elba. And oh, James is it? Gordon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. That makes more sense. I Shout was like, out James Corden. This is not what I understood his accent to be. Okay. Well, oh my school? god. <laughs> I just realized we're probably going to get a Taylor Swift carpool karaoke. Huh? <sighs> Fuck, I'm excited. It's okay. definitely gonna happen. Because also they were in they were all in cats together. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait. Okay. I want to say my least favorite song from this album is The Archer. I hate The Archer. You hate it. Easy they come, easy they go. I jump from the train, I ride off alone. I never grew up. It's getting so old. Help me hold on to you. I'm with you here. I hate it. I, I don't would like cut it. it. Probably, actually, I don't know if I would cut it. I mean, I, I hate the way her vocals sound. I hate the way she draws out the word archer. I think it is just um, terrible. I fucking hate it. I I, I, but I, I hate it less out of principle and more out of like this is a bad pop song. All the all the king's horses, all the king's men is like just horrible songwriting. So, and like I, I I get it, Taylor. Like we let's leave behind the the. Uh, combat queen style. Let's leave it with reputation and move on. I just hate it. I hate Archer. That's so funny. I just find it kind of unremarkable and I find it to be one of the like Antonoff filler tracks on this album and kind of a nod to, this just seems like the people who have Spotify on and are just listening to music all day long constantly, you know, which is like a type of person and I am not that person. It just seems like this is designed for that to be playing and people to be going about their lives and not really taking it in. So mm-hmm. it didn't make me mad. I don't think it's, I'll never voluntarily listen to it again. It's definitely a skip. But I hate how she draws out combat. She draws out all of her A's on this. Oh, album. wow. Okay. I mean, this, I think no, also, it's I mean, valid. Like, this is also just like the definition of between how, you, how I think you in, intake pop music and how I do. And like, I've always just been obsessed with vocals. Like, I loved the voice when it started. Like, I, I like, really care so much about that. And so it really, it really bothers me. Do you think... Not to uh, say you don't. I just think... I no, like I think that's, I yeah. think that's a, a good insight. Yeah. Do you think when she performs this live, the buildup is going to pay off? Combat. Uh, I, I don't know. Because we, it builds to nowhere. Yes. No. Can, we, can we talk she about that? Pre- can we talk about that? It. Yeah. Because this, the choruses on this album suck. And, like, th- there is not... One, they're hardly are. Absolutely that's why paper rings. Chorus. That's why paper rings. Yeah. Is good. It's true, right. and it's like it's a major Antonoff problem, and we just like need to buy Jack Antonoff like a music theory class and a giant Listen. clock for the wall or whatever the hell he wanted from the thing. But it's a real problem. <laughs> it's a deep cut, Amanda. Thank you. Well, I think everyone should know about it because it was an incredible. Please read Lena Dunham's essay about decorating her homes, and then also teach Jack Antonoff to write a chorus. Thank you. When Green Light by Lord came out, which is now what three years ago. Yeah. My personal deity, Max Martin, was like, this chorus is bad. The drums start too early. Right. And Max Martin agrees with you. He doesn't think Jack Antonoff knows how to write pop music. And so, you know, and and notably, I think on a lot of, um, if you go through the, the discography of this song, I mean, of this record, a lot of the songs that we have noted, I mean, Jack Antonoff is on all of them, but he has less of a hand in some of the ones we've no- we've noted. And, like, I do think that the biggest, like, bops, as the kids say, like, Paper Rings, I'm pretty sure he didn't, he does not have a lot of, uh, he did not have a co-writing credit on it. And I do think that is the most pure, like, old Taylor, you know? 
I think he is on paper rings. Actually, I'm just looking at oh, it now. Yeah, but he's not on. He's not on me. <laughs> and he, well, he's also he's not. I forgot that you existed. Um, he's also not on Cornelia Street, which though we haven't spent that much time on it, that is also. Let's go. Let's talk Kloss. about Cornelia Street. Rumored to be about Carly Kloss. Yeah. I was, like, lukewarm on it. I liked it. It wasn't standing out to me. And then I was uh, in the West Village this weekend walking around. And I was, like, I, I was, like, power. You still do it for me. I was, like, still power walking to this song. And I was, like, this is a good song. Okay, Taylor. And I, I just, I have some questions about Taylor Swift playing poker. And who would ever agree <laughs> to playing poker with her? But that's besides the point. I have some questions about the line, I rent a place on Cornelia Street. Number one, what are you, who are you, Patrick Bateman? That is a weird sociopath this thing to say, like, I keep a place somewhere. That is literally a line that Renee Russo says in the Thomas Crown Affair, 1999, another jam session deep cut. I don't care. This is our podcast. But also, no, she doesn't. She doesn't keep a place on Cornelia Street. Amanda, and- I have bad news. What? Yeah, she did. She rented a place on Cornelia Street in June 2016 while her Tribeca apartment was being renovated. And this is like, <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Facts. But- Genius.com doesn't lie. Sure, okay. But she, like, ran into place. This just kind of feels like she no longer wants to give out that. I understand that this is factually true, but it's, like, it's an insignificant part of her life, you know? She's gone through all the specificity and the details and the real stuff, and now she's just having to borrow, like, second-tier things and second-tier data. It just kind of, it doesn't feel authentic to me. Even though, yeah, even though she did live there briefly it does still feel like the london boy thing of like just naming things things. yes also she doesn't name anything else in the neighborhood like (laughs) literally for the cornelia street cafe which it was still open in 2016 when she allegedly rented a place there i won't i don't believe this but whatever (laughs) (laughs) there's also like so many like um old neighborhoody bars also this would have been a great opportunity for her to prove what an ally she is i mean living in the west village the heart of the west village and yet she puts it all into one song people have have done that work for her i think in parsing this song i guess that's true that's true not to say she did the work (laughs) um before i turned 21 i used to go to the four-face liar a lot and that's like right as well yeah. Also, that can I like, just say, like, the, the second verse, I'm looking at the lyrics to this song now. This just being a rehash, this being unoriginal, and, like, she ran out of the first-tier details. The autumn air jacket round my shoulders. We've already done this on All Too Well, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like she's borrowing and rehashing the same anecdotes. It just doesn't feel honest. That's what it's I true. have to say. That's true. Before we talk about some more kind of uh, more cerebral and macro questions about Taylor Swift, let's each axe six songs. Oh, my God. Andrew. Okay. You go first. All right. All right. This is tough. This is tough. Um, I would cut The Man. Okay. Yes. I would cut Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. <laughs> yes. Because it's just not a good song. It sounds like a... Um, like a a Disney movie or something, but like one that they rejected, like rejected Disney movie title. <laughs> yeah. uh, London boy. Goodbye for all the reasons we've already discussed. You need to calm down later. Me. Goodbye. Um, I've got to cut one more. I think I would cut cruel summer. I don't, I don't need it. It's wow. I already forgot what it sounds like. Okay. So there you go. Amanda, your turn. Okay. The man. Miss Americana, 
Death by a Thousand Cuts. Ooh, I like that one. I just like, what does it sound like? At some point, I, this album loses my- It sounds like Postal my, Service. <laughs> this album loses my attention, and it's around number 10. So it's like, I'm looking at the rest of the track list. I, Andrew, I love you. I don't remember what False God sounds like. I don't remember what Afterglow oh, sounds like. Just I don't remember <laughs> what It's Nice to Have a Friend feels like or Daylight. So- I would honestly cut any of those before I cut London Boy. At least I remember London Boy. I'm okay. I'm going daylight. It's nice to have a friend. Afterglow. London Boy and Archer. Okay. Okay. I, I can live with the man. It's all of these are a better album. Yeah. <laughs> like this there's a really I I do think if she this is just a problem with like it's like an auteur problem for music, you know? Like the when you don't have to take all the notes and you're allowed to have an 18-track mm-hmm. album, it's a bad idea. Right. And it, it makes things worse. Tighten it up. You need an editor. Isn't that also a bit at the Spotify yeah. Uh, yeah. issue yeah. where the longer the album is, like the longer people are streaming your stuff? And then, yeah, it's yeah. the Drake It's the yeah. Drake thing. Right. Right. Well, it, it, uh, in, in, you know, this, this is good. That's a good note because I would like to move on to some of the sort of the discourse, as Amanda called it, via mm-hmm. text. Um Scooter Braun. So Taylor has made a talking point um, this weekend. The fact that in November 2020, she is, per her contract, and I've got questions on this, she's allowed to re-record albums one through five. And she will presumably be on tour in November 2020. But I think that she, she has said that she is planning on re-recording the albums that Scooter now owns the masters of. So Scooter, I think, is trying really hard to, to take the higher ground. And how you feel about him is, you know, we can we can discuss. But he tweeted on August 23rd, which was release day. Regardless of what has been said, the truth is you don't make big bets, seemingly his acquisition of Big Machine Records, unless you are a believer and always have been. Brilliant album with Lover. Congrats, Taylor Swift. Supporting was always the healthier option. Smiley face. Hashtag brilliant album. Hashtag brilliant campaign. Congrats. So I think the campaign aspect here is really crucial. Mm-hmm. Um how have you guys felt about the the lover rollout of let's say you know let's say of the last couple weeks because I do think that they got off to a bad start and refined things and it's been better since like when it's more around the album and less around like her weird mural reveal. So what would you say about the last two weeks of Taylor? I thought the last two weeks have been really good and it's and what and, and why is that? Well, it's similar to why I think this album is overall like pretty good is that it stopped being about all of the the feuds and all of the like more celebrity focused things going around Taylor Swift and kind of just became more about her um and allowed her in scooter allowed her to sort of reclaim her position as um a bit of a victim mm-hmm. <laughs> and like someone that you can root for and that was just not there with reputation she like it was just really easy to root against her um and it still was really easy to root against her with me and also with you need to calm down and i think she got a lot of deserved criticism about her kind of like appropriating support of lgbt stuff and like that was all really messy and the last two weeks have been a little simpler and like a little more about her yeah, but more focus, which which yeah. really helps. It's like a politician. Stick to your platform. Exactly. Amanda, what do you think? 
you know, I hesitate to say this because I thought me, I think me is just one of the worst songs that she's ever <laughs> written. And the you need to calm down, especially the video and everything Andrew is referencing about the LGBTQ community. Not a fan of it. But I, I think the entire thing has been a success. I, I honestly do because Kate Nibbs wrote a long piece about kind of 10 years of Taylor Swift because it's been 10 years since the Kanye VMA saga, if you can believe it. Um, and her conclusion is basically that Taylor Swift is too big to fail at this point. I think that's true in a lot of ways, but within that, Taylor Swift has like a lot of different audiences that she needs to answer for and hold the attention of. And I feel like me and you need to calm down and the NFL draft of it all was for the really like that's mainstream. That's getting to a lot of people. That's announcing to a lot of people that you're around. And I think she definitely got a lot of criticism on certain corners of the internet and felt the need to write songs about that, which whatever. But, you know, at some point, as as long as people are talking about you, you're doing pretty well, which is borne out in these album sales. You know, along with the album sales, she has a lot of tie-ins and all of the corporate synergy stuff that she did in order to ensure that albums would sell when albums do not sell anymore definitely worked out. And then she figured out how to make the critics interested in her again and all of the naysayers. And we can, like, argue about this scooter, big machine kerfuffle and who came out of that well, but, like, it's interesting. We're all talking about it. And kind of talking about her as someone who is trying to figure out the music industry instead of someone who's hiding in a corner. So I I think she's played it well. Or it, maybe she, it's not that she's played it well, but it's worked. Right. Yeah, I I think there's a undeniable comeback feeling, which is funny because it's she ever leave. But yeah, I, I think the last like week in particular, I think that she has been shrewd with presenting herself. One thing that's been interesting to me that, like, her music really does betray, like, belies, is that she, I don't know how much time she spends in Nashville anymore, but she presents herself as, like, a Nashville musician on TV and and in interviews, and she has famously been someone who always went home after a show because she had multiple homes, whether it was L.A., Nashville, or New York, she could always fly home after, and that's, like, the highest end of being a touring musician. But it's just funny to me, she has a real command of the persona she's putting forward right now, And I think that is, like, kind of cool to see whether you like that persona or not. I think if you're going to engage with some of the sort of business side of what Taylor Swift is asking her fans to engage with, like, that's actually, she's doing a good job. She's kind of, like, buttoned up there. Um, But I I agree with you. It's, like, largely successful. Also, like, for all, for how horrible the um, You Need to Calm Down video is, like, she kind of, like, just ended some conversations. Like, I personally am relieved that we have not mentioned Katy Perry yet because there's been no need to because they're they're probably just, like, whatever or friends, like, somewhere in between, you know? Yes, but and, do you think that we haven't mentioned Katy Perry because they resolved that or because Katy Perry is no longer a relevant pop star? Uh, I think both. Yeah, but I think it's both, too. But, like, you know, It's a good point, Amanda. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. She's more— Sorry, more, but— most, no, you're right. Most famous right now for struggling to get onto a dinghy. Right. Uh, <laughs> at, le- at least to me, she is. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. But, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like a different, it's a different time with Taylor Swift. And uh, I, I, I like it. I'm also like, regardless of the shitty songs that we would like to just jettison off this album, like, I was just thinking, okay, I'm going to make a playlist so I don't have to listen to the whole album and I'll listen to just these 10 songs and I'll be happy to have those 10. Which that's that's pretty much like modern yeah, listening, anyways. Yeah. Like, that's just what you do now. 
I didn't. I, I I guess that's true. I'm so, I'm so late to the game. I like love a Spotify pre-populated playlist, <laughs> yeah. but you know, whatever. She's also managed to skirt some of the controversies that are less flattering to her, like what she did and didn't know. I mean, she she said I think it was either I think it was on CBS Sunday Morning. She insists that no one in her team knew about Scooter buying the company. She's standing by that, even though there's been evidence to the contrary. I'm going to be honest. I still, I'm skeptical of that evidence because it's like I texted her and then posted an extended legal document. You know, it's like, again, in the contract that he, he posted a screenshot of like two paragraphs of what was presumably what, like a hundred page contract. Yeah. You know, I would like to have more information before I decide definitively that I'm music executive is telling the truth. Just That's my a take. Great, th- yeah. you're, you're totally right. But I was. this is going to lead me to, this is unpro- unproven, but Taylor Swift put on her Tumblr posted a screenshot from her father's Facebook page, which then led to her crazy fans, her adoring fans, yes. looking at her father's yeah, Facebook page. That was tough. In which, mm-hmm. in tough. which she had allegedly posted, it's now down, so I don't know, allegedly posted like alt-right memes and like uh, made fun of Elizabeth Warren. His, and, her father, not her. her yeah, 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 Not Taylor Swift, her yeah. father, Scott Scott Swift. And then his and then his Facebook was deactivated after after this kerfuffle. So like, I don't even have more information to share. I don't have receipts to point to. This was very quickly and handily um, disappeared. And it's almost like she's like an Avenger, just like taking care of shit. <laughs> uh, again, haven't seen the Avengers. Don't know if that's an apt uh, <laughs> sure. comparison. Uh, yeah, they get but, stuff sure. done. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... You know, she's a, she's a, she's only engaging right now with what she wants to. And that's like m- far more powerful than the man ever could be. Yeah. And I I think she should continue to do this like <laughs> just make it about herself. It's a lot easier to root for. Yeah. I I mean, I do feel like this album is kind of she's figured out how to be a really famous pop star and to make enough music that critics will take her seriously uh and also make things that would be popular for everyone to kind of rope off her personal life to an extent, share just enough. It's 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 well calibrated, right? Mm-hmm. And she's figured out how to work the corporate systems and the sales stuff in order to continue to um, dominate both sales and conversation. And th- this is, in a lot of ways, this is an album about like being 30 and figuring it out. And being in a successful relationship or, you know, a long-term seemingly supportive relationship and having gone through some stuff and figured out what you want your business priorities to be and your personal priorities and how you're going to conduct yourself. That's great. Like, as a as a way of life, I really want that for everyone in the world. And as a pop music inspiration, it it's limiting from time to time. That's, that's what I have to say. Well... Taylor Swift figuring it out yet again. <laughs> Guys, any final thoughts on Taylor? Uh, I've debated whether I should bring this up or not. Do okay. it! Yes! I don't mean to ruin this song for anyone, but it it might ruin this song. This is exciting. The verse of uh, Soon You'll Get Better Aww. sounds just like the hook of Paris Hilton's Stars Are Blind. Oh my I God. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> just listen to it. I'm okay. sorry. Like, I still okay. love this song. It's so good. We already talked about why it's so good. And I still think it's incredible. But it was just hard. There, hard is, a, there is a lot of matchy stuff. I mean, I know I already talked about the Lily Allen London, London boy thing. 
Lover, which we haven't really talked about, is just that oh, Mazzy Star song. I like song. Lover. Yeah. It is I the Mazzy like, Star song. I also like yeah. Mazzy Star, but I'm just Me like, too. what is happening here? And Famously used on the OC. Yes. Oh, so good. And I feel like, you know, I also said the man sounds like a Haim song. I, it really does. She seems to be a wide listener of music, which is great. Everyone should be. Um, and, but it, it really is. The, the reference points um, are quite obvious on certain parts of this album, in my opinion. I don't think this one was on purpose. <laughs> but it, I'm not I'm not wrong. Okay. Um, Last, my last, like, I wasn't sure if I should mention this. Uh, Taylor Swift mentioned that she loved the movie Someone Great on Netflix. Oh, my God. I listened to this whole thing. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, and no. Have you guys watched that? I turned, it's like the only Netflix movie that I have honestly had to turn off halfway through. I, I went, I had it on. And I was like, okay, well, I can't sit here and watch this, but maybe I can cook dinner while it's on in the background. And even that was insupportable. I watched it one and a half times. Okay. Um, not not because I liked it, because I was like falling asleep the first time I, I turned it on. So I, I went back. I watched the whole thing. I was sick. I had I was spending the entire day in bed. It was the same day that I watched all of season two of Fleabag and also The Last Summer on Netflix. I was just going full on rom-com. <laughs> and while I would say I enjoyed it, it's not something that I would ever like fully recommend and it, the main thing that's good about it is its soundtrack and Gina Rodriguez is like appealing and Brittany Snow is incredible but the main thing that's good about it is just like it's a well curated playlist and I think that relates to a lot of what we've been saying but like kind of Taylor creating for the Spotify experience which is like she's curating as much as she is creating yeah definitely mm-hmm. And I just thought that was very telling and I, I was thinking about I do think she's curating really well I like I like this more than I like almost any other pop music that currently exists in 2019, which is just a sign that I'm old as shit and I own that. But I do think that she is doing something that is like just in terms of craft and skill and the sound is great. And she clearly has taste and she's great at curating. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't meet my expectations for Taylor Swift. I guess that's tough love. And I, like I told Juliet, I sound like the person from Whiplash in or my mother, but you know, that's fine. It, good is not good enough for Taylor Swift. Wow. What a note to end on. Sorry. Taylor, we'll be watching. Andrew and Amanda, thank you so much. I am Juliet. And you can catch me and Amanda talking more celebrity culture on Wednesday on Jam Session here on Ringer Dish. Friday is tea time. And next Monday, we will have end of summer awards. Thank you so much for listening. And, um, you know, listen to your favorite Taylor Swift song and have a great day. Bye.